0: section thirteen of london labour and the london poor by henry mayhew volume one this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by peter yearsley the street folk part thirteen of oysters selling in the streets the trade in oysters is unquestionably one of the oldest with which the london or rather the english markets are connected for oysters from britain were a luxury in ancient rome oysters are now sold out of the smacks at billingsgate and a few at hungerford the more expensive kind such as the real milton are never bought by the costermongers but they buy oysters of a good middling quality at the commencement of the season these oysters are fourteen shillings a bushel but the measure contains from a bushel and a half to two bushels as it is more or less heaped up the general price however is nine shillings or ten shillings but they have been ten shillings and eighteen shillings the big trade was unknown until eighteen forty eight when the very large shelley oysters the fish inside being very small were introduced from the sussex coast they were sold in thames street and by the borough market their sale was at first enormous the costermongers distinguished them by the name of scuttle-mouths one coster informant told me that on the saturday he not unfrequently with the help of a boy and a girl cleared ten shillings by selling these oysters in the streets disposing of four bags he thus sold reckoning twenty-one dozen to the bag two thousand and sixteen oysters and as the price was two for a penny he took just four pounds four shillings by the sale of oysters in the streets in one night with the scuttle-mouths the costamonger takes no trouble He throws them into a yard and dashes a few pails of water over them, and then places them on his barrow, or conveys them to his stall. Some of the better class of costermongers, however, lay down their oysters carefully, giving them oatmeal to fatten on. In April last, some of the street-sellers of this article established, for the first time, oyster rounds. These were carried on by costermongers whose business was over at twelve in the day, or a little later. They bought a bushel of scuttle-mouths, never the others, and in the afternoon went around with them to poor neighbourhoods until about six, when they took a stand in some frequented street. Going these oyster rounds is hard work, I am told, and a boy is generally taken to assist. Monday afternoon is the best time for this trade, when ten shillings is sometimes taken, and four shillings or five shillings profit made. On other evenings only from one shilling to five shillings is taken, very rarely the larger sum, as the later the day in the week, the smaller is the receipt, owing to the wages of the working classes getting gradually exhausted. The women who sell oysters in the street and whose dealings are limited buy either of the costermongers or at the coal sheds, but nearly all the men buy at Billingsgate where as small a quantity as a peck can be had. An old woman who had seen better days but had been reduced to keep an oyster stall gave me the following account of her customers she showed much shrewdness in her conversation but having known better days she declined to enter upon any conversation concerning her former life as to my customers sir she said why indeed they're all sorts it's not a very few times that gentlemen i call them so because they're mostly so civil will stop just as it's getting darkish perhaps and look about them and then come to me and say very quick two penneth for a wet ah uh, some of em will look maybe like poor parsons down upon their luck and swallow their oysters as if they was taking poison in a hurry they'll not touch the bread or butter once in twenty times but they'll be free with the pepper and vinegar or mayhap they'll say quick and short a crust off that i many a time think that two penneth is a poor gentleman's dinner it's the same often but only half as often with a poor lady with a veil that once was black over a bonnet to match and shivering through her shawl she'll have the same about two is the mark still it's mostly two penneth. my son says it's because that's the price of a glass of gin and some persons buy oysters instead but that's only his joke sir it's not the vulgar poor that's our chief customers as many of them won't touch oysters and i've heard some of them say the sight on em makes me sick it's like eating snails the poor girls that walk the streets often by some are brazen and vulgar and often the finest dressed are the vulgarest at least i think so and of those that come to oyster stalls, i'm sure it's the case some are shy to such as me who may perhaps call their own mothers to their minds though it ain't many of them that is so one of them always says that she must keep at least a penny for gin after her oysters "'One young woman ran away from my stall once "'after swallowing one oyster out of six that she'd paid for. "'I don't know why. Ah, there's many things a person like me sees "'that one may say, I don't know why, too. "'That there is. "'My heartiest customers that I serve with the most pleasure "'are working people on a Saturday night. "'One couple, I think the wife always goes to meet her husband "'on a Saturday night, has two or three or four pennies, as happens. "'And it's pleasant to hear them say, "'Won't you have another, John?' or do have one or two more mary ann i've served them that way two or three years they've no children i'm pretty sure for if i say take a few home to the little ones the wife tosses her head and says half vexed and half laughing such nonsense i send out a good many oysters opened for people's suppers and sometimes for supper parties at least i suppose so for there's five or six dozen often ordered the maid-servants come for them then and i give them two or three for themselves and say joking like it's no use offering you any perhaps because you'll have plenty that's left they've mostly one answer don't we wish we may get em the very poor never buy of me as i told you a penny buys a loaf you see or a heap of bread and a heap of cheese or a half pint of beer with a farthing out my customers are mostly working people and tradespeople I wish the parson of the parish, or any parson, sat with me a fortnight. He'd see what life is then. It's different, a learned man used to say to me, that's long ago, from what's noticed from the pew or the pulpit. I've missed the gentleman, as used to say that, now many years. I don't know how many. I never knew his name. He was drunk now and then, and used to tell me he was an author. I felt for him. A dozen oysters wasn't much for him. We see a deal of the world, sir yes a deal some mostly working people take quantities of pepper with their oysters in cold weather and say it's to warm them and no doubt it does but frosty weather is very bad oyster weather the oysters gape and die and then they are not so much as manure they're very fine this year i clear a shilling a day i think during the season at least a shilling taking the fine with the wet days and the weak days with the sundays though i'm not out then but you see i'm known about here The number of oysters sold by the costermongers amounts to 124 million a year. These, at four a penny, would realise the large sum of 129,650 pounds. We may therefore safely assume that 125,000 pounds is spent yearly in oysters in the streets of London. Of Periwinkle Selling in the Streets There are some street people who nearly all of the year through sell nothing but periwinkles and go regular rounds, where they are well known. The wink men, as these periwinkle sellers are called, generally live in the lowest parts and many in lodging houses. They are forced to live in low localities, they say, because of the smell of the fish, which is objected to. The city district is ordinarily the best for winkle sellers, for there are not so many cheap shops there as in other parts the summer is the best season and the sellers then make upon the average twelve shillings a week clear profit in the winter they get upon the average five shillings a week clear by selling mussels and whelks for as winkles last only from march till october they are then obliged to do what they can in the whelk and mussel way i buy my winks said one at billingsgate at three shillings and four shillings the wash a wash is about a bushel There's some at two shillings and some sometimes as low as one shilling the wash, but they wouldn't do for me as I serve some very respectable people. If we choose, we can boil our winkles at Billingsgate by paying fourpence a week for boiling, and a halfpenny for salt, to salt them after they're boiled. Tradesmen's families buy them for a relish to their tea. It's reckoned a nice present from a young man to his sweetheart, his winks. Servant girls are pretty good customers, and want them cheaper when they say it's for themselves, but I have only one price one man told me he could make as much as twelve shillings a week sometimes more and sometimes less he made no speeches but sang winkety winkety wink 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 wickety, wickety wink fine fresh winkety winks wink wink he was often so sore in the stomach and hoarse with hallooing that he could hardly speak he had no child only himself and his wife to keep out of his earnings his room was two shillings a week rent He managed to get a bit of meat every day, he said, somehow or another. Another more communicative and far more intelligent man said to me, concerning the character of his customers, they're people, I think, that like to daddle, note, dawdle, I presume, end note, over their teas or such like, or when a young woman's young man takes tea with her mother and her, then they've winks, and then there's joking and helping to pick winks between Thomas and Betsy while the mother's busy with her tea or is wiping her specs cause she can't see why sir i've known it i was a thomas that way myself when i was a tradesman i was a pattern-maker once but patterns is no go now and haven't been for fifteen year or more old people i think that lives by themselves and has perhaps an annuity or the like of that and nothing to do particular loves winks for they likes a pleasant way of making time long over a meal they're the people as reads a newspaper when it's a week old all through. The other buyers, I think, are tradespeople or working people, what wants a relish. But winks is a bad trade now, and so is many that depends on relishes. One man who works the new cut has the best wink business of all. He sells only a little dry fish with his winks, never wet fish, and has got his name up for the superiority of that shellfish a superiority which he is careful to ensure. He pays eight shillings a week for a stand by a grocer's window. On an ordinary afternoon, he sells from seven shillings to ten shillings worth of periwinkles. On a Monday afternoon, he often takes twenty shillings, and on the Sunday afternoon, three pounds and four pounds. He has two costalads to help him, and sometimes on a Sunday from twenty to thirty customers about him. He wraps each parcel sold in a neat brown paper bag which i am assured is of itself an inducement to buy of him the unfortunate women who live in the streets contiguous to the waterloo blackfriars and borough roads are among his best customers on sundays especially he is rather a public character getting up dances and the like he ain't bothered not he with ha'peths or penneths of a sunday said a person who had assisted him it's the top of the tree with his customers threepence or sixpence at a go the receipts are one-half profit i heard from several that he was the best man for winks a-going the quantity of periwinkles disposed of by the london street sellers is three million six hundred thousand pints which at a penny per pint gives the large sum of fifteen thousand pounds expended annually in this street luxury it should be remembered that a very large consumption of periwinkles takes place in public houses and suburban tea gardens of dry fish selling in the streets the dealing in dry or salt fish is never carried on as a totally distinct trade in the streets but some make it a principal part of their business and many wet fish sellers whose wet fish is disposed of by noon sell dry fish in the afternoon the dry fish proper consists of dried mackerel salt cod dried or barrelled smoked or dried haddocks often called finny haddies dried or pickled salmon but salmon is only salted or pickled for the streets when it can be sold cheap and salt herrings a keen-looking tidily dressed man who was at one time a dry fish seller principally gave me the following account for the last two months he has confined himself to another branch of the business and seemed to feel a sort of pleasure in telling of the dodges he once resorted to there's scotch haddies that never knew anything about scotland he said for i've made lots of them myself by tower street just a jump or two from the lambeth station house i used to make them on sundays i was a wet fish seller then And when I couldn't get through my haddocks or my whitings of a Saturday night, I wasn't a going to give them away to folks that wouldn't take the trouble to lift me out of a gutter if I fell there. So I preserved them. I've made haddies of whitings, and good ones too, and Joe made them of codlings besides. I had a bit of a backyard, to two rooms one over the other, that I had then, and on a Sunday I set some wet wood afire and put it under a great tub. My children used to gut and wash the fish, and I hung them on hooks all round the sides of the tub, and made a bit of a chimney in a corner of the top of the tub, and that way I gave them a jolly good smoking. My wife had a dry fish stall, and sold them, and used to sing out, Real Scotch Haddies, and tell people how they was from Aberdeen. I've often been fit to laugh she did it so clever. I had a way of giving them a yellow colour, like the real Scotch, but that's a secret. After they was well smoked, they was hung up to dry all round the rooms we lived in, and we often had stunning fires that answered as well to boil crabs and lobsters when they was cheap enough for the streets. I've boiled a mate's crabs and lobsters for tuppence halfpenny. It was two boilings and more, and twopence ha'penny was reckoned the price of half a quarter of a hundred of coals and the use of the pan. There's more ways than one of making sixpence if a man has eyes in his head and keeps them open haddocks that wouldn't fetch a penny apiece nor any money at all of a saturday night i've sold at least she has note indicating his wife by a motion of his thumb end note, at tuppence and thropence and fourpence i've brought fish of costers that was over on a saturday night to make scotch haddies of them i've tried experience note experiments two ivy burnt under them gave them i thought a nice sort of flavour rather peppery for i used always to taste them but i hate living on fish ivy with brown berries on it as it has about this time of year i liked best holly wasn't no good a black currant bush was but it's too dear and indeed it couldn't be had i mostly spread wetted firewood as green as could be got or damp sticks of any kind over shavings and kept feeding the fire sometimes i burnt sawdust somehow the dry fish trade fell off People does get so prying and so knowing. There's no doing nothing now for no time. So I dropped the dry fish trade. There's few up to smoking them proper. They smoke em black, as if they was hung up in a chimbley. Another costermonger gave me the following account. I've salted herrings, but the commonest way of salting is by the Jews about Whitechapel. They make real Yarmouth bloaters and all sorts of fish. When I salted herrings, I brought them out of the boats at Billingsgate by the Hundred, which is a 120 fish. We give them a bit of a clean, hardly anything, then chuck them into a tub of salt and keep scattering salt over them and let them lie a few minutes or sometimes half an hour and then hang them up to dry. They eat well enough if they're eaten in time, for they won't keep. I've known three days old herrings salted just because there was no sale for them. One Jew sends out six boys crying real Yarmouth bloaters. People buy them in preference. They look so nice and clean among the Jews they didn't do much that way until two years back i sometimes wish i was a jew because they help one another and start one another with money and so they thrive where christians are ruined i smoked mackerel too by the thousands that's a new trade and is done the same way as haddock's mackerel that won't bring a penny apiece fresh bring tuppence smoked they are very nice indeed i make about ten shillings or eleven shillings a week by dry fish in the winter months And about as much by wet, but I have a tidy connection. Perhaps I make seventeen shillings or eighteen shillings a week all the year round. The aggregate quantity of dry fish sold by the London costermongers throughout the year is as follows, the results being deduced from the table before given. Wet salt cod ninety three thousand seven hundred and fifty dry ditto one million smoked haddocks four million eight hundred and seventy five thousand bloaters thirty six million seven hundred and fifty thousand red herrings twenty five million gross value of the several kinds of fish annually sold in the streets of london it now but remains for me in order to complete this account of the street sellers of fish to form an estimate of the amount of money annually expended by the labourers and the poorer classes of london upon the different kinds of wet dry and shell fish this according to the best authorities is as follows wet fish one hundred and seventy five thousand pounds weight of salmon at sixpence per pound four thousand pounds one million pounds weight of live cod at a penny halfpenny per pound five thousand pounds three million two hundred and fifty thousand pairs of soles at a penny halfpenny per pair twenty thousand four million four hundred thousand whiting at a halfpenny each place at three farthings, £90,000. 15,700,000 mackerel at six for one shilling, £130,000. 875 million herrings at 16 a groat, £900,000. £3,000,000 weight of sprats at a penny per pound, £12,000 four hundred thousand pounds weight of eels at three pounds weight for one shilling six thousand pounds two hundred and sixty thousand flounders at one penny per dozen one hundred pounds two hundred and seventy thousand dabs at a penny per dozen one hundred pounds Sum total expended yearly in wet fish one million one hundred and seventy seven thousand pounds dry fish five hundred and twenty five pounds weight barrelled cod at a penny halfpenny, three thousand pounds five hundred thousand pounds weight dried salt cod at twopence, four thousand pounds four million eight hundred and seventy five thousand smoked haddock at one penny, twenty thousand pounds thirty six million seven hundred and fifty thousand bloaters at two for a penny, seventy five thousand pounds twenty five million red herrings at four for a penny, twenty five thousand pounds sum total expended yearly in dry fish one hundred and twenty seven thousand pounds shellfish one hundred and twenty four million oysters at four a penny a hundred and twenty five thousand pounds sixty thousand lobsters at threepence seven hundred and fifty pounds fifty thousand crabs at tuppence four hundred pounds seven hundred and seventy thousand pints of shrimps at tuppence six thousand pounds one million quarts of mussels at one penny four thousand pounds seven hundred and fifty thousand quarts of cockles at one penny three thousand pounds four million nine hundred and fifty thousand whelks at eight for a penny two thousand five hundred pounds three million six hundred thousand pints of periwinkles at one penny fifteen thousand pounds some total expended yearly in shellfish one hundred and fifty six thousand six hundred and fifty pounds Adding together the above totals, we have the following result as to the gross money value of the fish purchased yearly in the London streets. Wet fish, £1,177,200. Dry fish, £127,000. Shell fish, £156,650. Total, £1,460,850 hence we find that there is nearly a million and a half of money annually spent by the poorer classes of the metropolis in fish a sum so prodigious as almost to discredit every statement of want even if the amount said to be so expended be believed the returns from which the above account is made out have been obtained however from such unquestionable sources not from one salesman alone but checked and corrected by many gentlemen who can have no conceivable motive for exaggeration either one way or the other that sceptical as our utter ignorance of the subject must necessarily make us still if we will but examine for ourselves we shall find there is no gainsaying the facts moreover as to the enormity of the amount dispelling all ideas of privation among the industrious portion of the community we shall also find on examination that, assuming the working men of the metropolis to be 500,000 in number, the occupation abstract of 1841 gives 773,560 individuals following some employment in London, but these include merchants, employers, shopkeepers, government officers, and others, and that they, with their wives and children, make up one million individuals, it follows that the sum per head expended in fish by the poorer classes every week is a fraction more than sixpence three farthings or in other words not quite one penny a day if the diet of a people be a criterion as has been asserted of their character it may be feared that the present extensive fish diet of the working people of london is as indicative of degeneracy of character as cobbett insisted must result from the consumption of tea and the cursed root the potato the flesh of fish says pereira on diet is less satisfying than the flesh of either quadrupeds or birds as it contains a larger proportion of water about eighty per cent it is obviously less nourishing haller tells us he found himself weakened by a fish diet and he states that roman catholics are generally debilitated during lent pechlin also affirms that a mechanic nourished merely by fish has less muscular power than one who lives on the flesh of warm-blooded animals jockeys who waste themselves in order to reduce their weight live principally on fish the classes of fish above given are when considered in a dietetical point of view of two distinct kinds namely those which form the staple commodities of the dinners and suppers of the poor and those which are mere relishes or stimuli to failing rather than stays to eager appetites under the former head i include red herrings bloaters and smoked haddocks such things are not merely provocatives to eat among the poor as they are at the breakfast table of many an overfed or intemperate man with the less affluent these salted fish are not a relish but a meal the shellfish however can only be considered as luxuries the one hundred and fifty thousand pounds thus annually expended in the streets represents the sum laid out in mere relishes or stimuli to sluggish appetites a very large proportion of this amount i am inclined to believe is spent by persons whose stomachs have been disordered by drink a considerable part of the trade in the minor articles as winks shrimps and so on is carried on in public houses while a favourite pitch for an oyster stall is outside a tavern door if then so large an amount is laid out in an endeavour to restore the appetite after drinking how much money must be squandered in destroying it by the same means end of section 13